Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org. I am Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiology and nutrition professor, and I'm a competitive bodybuilder. Good day. It's Robert Fortress Fortney. I'm a former editor at Muscle Mag International, former competitive bodybuilder, and current strength training enthusiast powerlifter. This is Phil Stevens. I'm a strength coach and athlete in Highland Games and powerlifting. I'm also the founder of liftforhope.org or strengthbuild.com and the future Mr. Tahiti. Right on. Tahiti, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, that's the only thing I can think of. And today with us, we have we have Kelly Starrett. Thanks for joining us, Kelly. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, you guys. We'll, we'll talk to Kelly here in a minute some more, but um, Lonnie and Rob have some interesting things to say. Yeah, I'll tell you what, Rob. Let's start with some of the, the emails, the reader or listener mails, and then I'll, okay. I, I've just got a couple of news blurbs and updates and things like that. Okay, well, I, I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit more, but uh, our own Lonnie here has uh, – successfully compete, complete, competed in two bodybuilding competitions the last couple of weeks and he will talk like I said we'll talk about more of that in a few minutes but um he, yeah anyway somebody sent Lonnie an email and it was like uh Lonnie so I was in Fargo last night which where the competition was held um at MPC bodybuilding show and this Lonnie Lowry guy steps up on stage I am thinking to myself why the hell does that name sound familiar then it hit me I have read lots of your stuff on Teen Nation I had no idea that you lived in Minnesota um, he just wants to say nice work. You look really thick in the weight class, uh, especially your quads. Um, thought you would have done better, but I mean, yeah. Um, <laughs> very impressive. I was hoping to get a chance to talk to you afterward, but I never saw you. Uh, he just wants to congratulate you on your impressive physique. Keep up the awesome articles on T Nation. So that's a nice little, uh, thing. And you actually responded. I see that, that you wrote him saying you were wondering, uh, cause since you had no family and friends at the show, you were wondering who kept uh, shouting your name out in the yeah. audience. Yeah, that was weirding me out a little bit because, you know, it's I can't believe how snowy it is up there still. I mean, thigh-deep snow, you know, super cold. I'm walking around in sandals, right, because we're all, of course, painted up in dioderm. You know, it's one of those primping things about bodybuilding I never did get used to. But walking around in waist-deep snow and sandals, not good. Did you do that classic scene from, uh, what, what's that movie with Arnold, that when they, all the bodybuilders are running down the street in Harlem? Oh, <laughs> and and posing around bus stops and stuff. Was that Hercules in New York or? That was what that was. Okay. Yeah, it was something like that. Hercules goes bananas or something like yeah. that. Yeah, nice. Yeah. yeah, but we did you do you have the email from the one gentleman who just contacted us about the radio show? Uh, Sean Davis, I believe it was. Okay, yeah, he's uh, a police officer, I believe. Yeah, he's a police sergeant. He uh, his name is Sean Davis. A uh, nice letter from him. I'm ho- I'm assuming it's okay for us to read his letter on air. Um, he's been working out and physically active for many years and recently found powerlifting. Um, his issue is that he's too heavy for his frame. He's been trying to lose weight for health reasons. It's down to two, um, from 270 to 250, you know, through eating healthier, incorporating more cardio, stuff like that. Um, he loves iron radio. Um, he, he heard about a food prep and recipes show, um, and was, um, he's getting bored with, you know, uh, routine uh, boiled chicken salads and that type of thing. I was wondering about other uh, diets we have and that type of thing. Um, 
Anyway, trying to bring them to the good, his family to the good side and not be so reliant on the highly popular garbage most folks enjoy eating. Any sites or information you have available, I would be great, greatly interested in having. Yeah. Great work and great audio information. Anyway, thanks, Sean, for your letter. Very um, nice. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, we, we, as I've said many times, we've all said many times, we love hearing from our listeners. Love, love, love it. So always just to email us your thoughts. Even let us know if you have a, you know, you did a particularly cool uh, training session. You want us to know, uh, want to let some of your uh, brothers of iron know what you did in the gym. We like that kind of stuff, too. So. Right on. Gym talk. Always welcome. Yeah. I can I can tell him where not to look. I, I wrote an article a while back for called Deadlifting for Donuts, and that's where he doesn't want to go for that information. Um. <laughs> It's okay. I sent him, I sent him some uh, recipes. Actually, in our article library, we have some uh, both low carb and low fat types of recipes, depending on you know the direction people want to go. So, yeah. So just some examples there, because he's obviously right. You know, things can get a little bit boring yeah. unless you get oh, yeah. creative with you know get crazy with the cheese whiz. So, <laughs> uh, okay. Well, we, when are we going to talk about your your competitions? Because I think uh, our listeners would be interested in hearing a little bit about. Yeah, I'll tell you, I've got some stories too. Maybe we'll save that for the future because I've got some, uh, uh, you know, other news blurbs here and stuff too. But I mean, everything from let me give you some teaser stuff. Like there was uh, the the teenage kid who uh, sort of, you know, in a way, he sort of attached himself to me. He's a really nice kid. There was uh, there was the the hundred pound loss meat all meat diet. Phil would have loved it. Oh, yeah. That's good. Uh, there's the crotch sock story. I won't even go into that yet. <laughs> but wow. the, crotch, the crotch sock was a new experience for me. Uh, oh, come on, man. You can't do that. <laughs> come on. At least give us the crotch sock. The, the fact that one of these shows had almost a non-existent pump-up room. I mean, they had a couple of pairs of like 15 and 20-pound dumbbells. And I'm like, really? You know? And that's where I learned that when you, could, when you compete – you are on stage at about 80% of your lucky of your best because it's not like in the gym where you're, you know, you can put at least a couple hundred pounds on a bar and get a pump. Not happening. Push ups aren't doing that, right? So that was, that was kind of frustrating. But anyway, yeah, just a whole bunch of, uh, a whole bunch of stories from that kind of stuff. One of the things you guys might appreciate, one of the guys backstage, he was one of the expediters, really big dude, kind of stoic. And we all line up and he kind of, he looks over at me and then he looks down a little bit and he goes, Nice quad development. And then he goes back to being all stoic. <laughs> and then later I found out this guy, he's like a thousand pound squatter, you know, but he surveys the entire lineup. And he, of course, you know, the, his only comment is for the guy with the big quads. So <laughs> that was kind hey, of fun. man. I've always said some, of the, some of the things that, you know, d- differentiate in bodybuilding, the guys who are, you know, the pumpers versus the guys who are, you know, hardcore, the dudes that have not just big thighs, but thick thighs, and you, you certainly qualify for that. So Thighs and back. I mean, you can see that oh, yeah. when you look at lineups, especially in, like, middleweights and light heavyweights, you know, because we just, like, light heavies don't have enough uh, mass to look like a super heavy, of course. So you can see the people who lift heavy and the people who are more like, you know, higher rep pump-type lifters, you know. Without question. Yeah. Without question. And you have you did pretty good at both the shows you've done so far. Right, yeah. I hesitated uh in, to do warm-up shows like that. But, you know, we've been talking about it on Iron Radio. I, I posted about it on our Facebook Iron Radio page, you know, about just giving yourself permission to get into it, you know, to make a few mistakes, get back into it. And I hadn't competed for eight years it's been. I didn't realize it was quite that long. But so I just need to relearn all of those steps and make some mistakes. And um, and I did make some mistakes, but mostly it was I, I knew I wasn't as you know lean as I could have been. 
but I thought, well, I'll do it anyway, you know. And I mean, uh, I placed, I placed well in, in both events, and, and these were big shows. I mean, I was amazed the St. Louis show had twelve hundred and seventy-five people in the audience. I mean, that's that's kind of yeah. big. Um, so, but anyway, yeah. So, and how many shows do you have? Uh, you are doing a couple more shows? Or? I was go- I was going to do two more, but you know, financially going all over the country doing this stuff is just becoming a little bit unrealistic. So, I'm g- I'm going to save it up for the May seventh NABA event. I've never competed in a NABA show. It's just the sentimental favorite, Rob, as you know, because it's it's a, uh, yeah partly through Pep's Gym there in, in Akron and Canton, Ohio. But and most likely I will be there. So I sure hope so because this is sort of ridiculous. Phil and Rob, you know. And not we'll there. The guys cock. I want we'll there are not 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 there. And then I'll uh, I'll wear a cock sock with you. There you go. While we get painted uh, up with fake tan. Yeah, we'll go walking around the the uh, the uh, booths outside in the foyer. We'll what? wear our cock socks. Yeah, I was walking all over with my butt hanging out with the crotch sock. It was ridiculous. I mean, oh, you're calling crotch sock? Okay, I said. Yeah, I'm trying not to swear, but you know, Phil's gonna have to beep out your uh, profanity there, Mister. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Okay. Well, let me let me share a couple of. Uh, other news here quickly. Um, I wanted to say thanks to the donors and the supporting members of Iron Radio. A couple of guys got their mugs and posted on the Facebook page, so that's cool. Uh, if you haven't got one yet, they're on the way. We have a limited number of those, but it basically, for people who don't know, it just says, I support Iron Radio, you know, basically uh, internet media for intelligent powerlifters and bodybuilders, that kind of stuff. So we've got a few mugs left if you're interested in doing that sort of recurring supporting member thing. Um, also, our hundredth episode is coming up like soon. And so we've been bantering around in email just for, so listeners know, maybe having a caption test. Oh, yeah. So yeah, we'll, we'll put, we'll put some pictures of, uh, probably Phil or Rob. Who knows? I mean, there's probably some ridiculous be competing too, but we can put some stuff online. And Kelly, what are you doing? Sorry, man. Trying to, trying to get to a place where I don't drop off. Gotcha. I thought you were like back driving a back end there. loader. Yeah, yeah we, it's basically how we lift down at our gym. I don't know how you guys lift, but uh. <laughs> oh, you, you must you must train with that. Uh, uh, what was that guy's name with the P? What was that guy with the no legs? He used to do like those assisted bench presses. Uh, oh, the Pelletia. Iron the, Jimmy the Iron Jimmy Pelletia. Yeah, yeah. He put like twenty five thousand pounds on a bar, and he would have like a forklift behind him. <laughs> you know what? It's 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 we got to use that thing for the for the you know just for the plate loading. That's all. Oh, uh, there you go. Well, that's viable. <laughs> so anyway, a caption episode or cap- caption contest coming up for the 100th episode. Uh, you could put words, you know, describe a picture of Phil or Rob or something. I'm ready for that. It, that'll be fun. That'll be fun. Uh, also, I got my Bill P- Pearl book. We had Bill Pearl, of course, on for the second time recently. You know, one of the founding fathers of bodybuilding, truly. And this guy is just such a class act. Not only did he send me the book and sign it. But he sent me a glossy uh, black and white of himself, also signed, sent me a personal letter that said, thanks, Lonnie, for, uh, you know, I enjoyed working with you on Iron Radio. I mean, wow. So I'm just really stoked by that. And ironically, in class today, I was teaching a lecture on exercise and its effects on aging. And there's Bill's picture in the book. You know, he was a, they showed him at 26, I think, and at 56. And his physique is, you know, basically the same across that whole lifespan period. So just amazing yeah, no, stuff. So I, I encourage anybody, go check out uh, pearl.com. Um, he's got those fantastic – it's basically a history of strength and physique throughout the ages. So, uh, you know, really good stuff. Uh, I'd like to uh, send an apology on behalf of this Skype technology. Jeez. 
Drop, some, <laughs> drop, <laughs> drop a bucket of rocks there? What was that all about? It's 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 live 3D sound is what it is, Rob. I want to apologize because last week when we had uh, Scott Mendelson on, um, it was great having him on. Of course, he's the probably the 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 premier bench presser in the world, and uh, we just had lots all sorts of technological problems. He was cutting out, and thankfully we have uh, Lonnie to do our editing for us because uh, I was I was fearful that it might be a complete mashup, but he I guess put it together in a reasonably listenable way, so. I hope but so. if it sounded less than good, I, I apologize to our listeners because, like I said, there was uh, unforeseen technological problems during that whole call. Yeah, Skype will do that to you sometimes. I don't know. Well, I have a, a couple of news blurbs beyond that, but I think I'm going to save those for next week because our guest has been very gracious waiting for us. So, yeah. no, let's let's get to let's get to that. Hi, Kelly. Are you hey, there? How's it going, you guys? There he is. I'm here. He's here. Very animated as usual. Um, no, just want to kind of give everybody a, a, an introduction to you and who you are. Um, you can talk about your mobility wad and things like that. How, it, initially, how did you get started in this anyways? We talked a bit about your, your athletic past and, and whatnot. You want to touch on that? Oh, well, so, you know, I think how do you, it, it's a curse to get started in this process. You know, you, destiny reaches out. Uh, I was an athlete as an early kid. Uh, I was paddling on the national team as a competitive athlete, and one day my hand went numb. And I uh, couldn't turn my head, and I started asking around, and all the Olympians around me were like, hey, well, yeah, that happens all the time. And I was like, it happens all the time that your hand goes numb and you can't turn your head. And I started, I pointed at the girls on the, on the women's team, and every single one of the women had had shoulder surgery. And I was like, hey, every one of these women has been, you know, cut. You know, I'm like, Is it, if it's my dream to be on the national team in the Olympics, I'm, that means I'm going to have shoulder surgery. And they were like, well, no one had ever said that. And I think that was that aha moment where I was like, we can do better. And then, you know, pretty much since then, I've been obsessed with, you know, figuring out how to, uh, to how to do better. Gotcha. And then you started up your mobilitywad.com uh, here not too long ago. That's right. So, you know, we have a gym here in, in San Francisco, and uh, I'm a physical therapist. We, we see a lot of athletes. Um, you know, we've kind of specialized at our gym at, uh, you know, redeeming athletes who had, one, had been injured or had, you know, people had been, you know, had failed them really smart, talented athletes who were leaving lots and lots of kind of pounds and wattage and power and output on the table. And as a physio, I started to see this kind of relationship between men. If we could get people into a better position, we could reconcile their pain and dysfunction, and they could go faster. And so instead of having a conversation about, you know, gosh, my knee doesn't hurt, that's not good enough, we all kind of deal with pain, we all overtrain, we all get, you know, in bad position sometimes, what we were able to do is say, hey, look, if we, if we look at your tissue health and tissue quality and put you in a better mechanical position, your poundage goes up. And that was the, the kind of the, the genesis for thinking about mobility wad. I started to get really kind of pissed that, uh, you, know, you know, really, really good athletes, world champions, world record holders were coming to see me. They'd had MRIs and, you know, all these other problems and treated, and, you know, they, they, all they had was a tight anterior hip or they, they didn't know how to kind of mobilize a position to improve their deadlift or get them into a, you know, a more effective pressing position. And literally, I felt like this is a human right. We know how to eat, how to train, how to sleep. I mean, the, the Internet has just homogenized excellence. You see training regi- you know, regimens going up through the roof. People know how to train. You can have access to the best training, the best coaching online. And so suddenly like, there was this missing piece. Like we hadn't ever, you know, thought about it critically this way and no one had ever said hey by the way you you know you're missing 50 percent of the range of motion in your hip 
that's why it moved this way. So, you know, the mobility wad, which was kind of this social experiment of like, look, for a year, I'm going to just demystify these things and frame it into, you know, mobility and stretching and joint health and joint positioning in terms that athletes care about, which is performance. So if we can capture the athlete's attention by making them lift heavier, helping them get the world championships, be the best on the planet, then, you know, we, we thought we had something, and it's just been, it's insane. I think we're like 2 million visits for an online stretching blog. I mean, you know, we have Levi Leitpimer on there, you know, Donnie Thompson's on there. I mean, it's the, in, the insanity that the, how this kind of crosses, you know, boundaries. Yeah, and I think, I think you said it best when I was talking to you that you're a strength coach first. And then a physical therapist. I mean, you're interested in making people stronger and performing better, not not just just healing them. I mean. Well, you know, th- those are the, those are the same thing. And and somehow we've you know, you should be suspicious of someone who says you know doesn't understand, you know, how to deadlift. I mean, yeah. that's that's a you know we're working on like right now like an Angie's List kind of project where, you know, strength athletes, power athletes, endurance athletes can recommend physicians, physios, chiropractic physicians to their, you know, the, their friends and family. Like, how, how do you find that person? And, you know, we have what we call the, the deadlift doctor test. It basically is, you know, people are like, how do I know if I have a good doctor? I'm like, ask her how much she deadlifts straight up, you know, and, and that pretty much, you know, solves that problem. So, you know, that's, that's where we're going. And, and, and changing the, the conversation from a reactive conversation to of, hey, we really need to look critically at, you know, your technique and understand why you're moving the way you're moving. And those are the same conversation about, hey, your joint capsule is stiff, you're not sliding here, you've got bad motor control, and here's where you're given, you know, power. You know, working with Mark Bell, we were, were benching this weekend, and, you know, his tight hip, you know, is putting him into a strange position on the bench, which affects how he can tighten up his back and stabilize his shoulder. And uh, that's free money on the table. And understanding that relationship from this aspect first, that it's about movement first, you know, that's that's the approach. And, and you know, benching, squatting, lifting, these are the safest things to do. In fact, you're not a normal, healthy human being unless you can do those things. And more importantly, for us, they're the best diagnostic tells that something's going on. And, you know, I think that's that's what we haven't realized how much we had is that we can see it makes the invisible visible. And that when you see an athlete squat, you know, ultimately – you know, all the bench pressers in the world, their technique is going to look the same. It's going to look, you know, the only difference is the length of their, you know, humerus, you know, you know, kind of the width of their shoulders. But ultimately, you're going to see the best expression technique. So when we see something else going on, you know, why is the athlete making this movement compromise? Then you can understand, fix the problem, get the athlete back there, and at the same time, resolve that torn pec, resolve that uh, that creaky shoulder. It's easy. And that's what, I mean, I was speaking with Jesse yesterday, Jesse Burdick, and, you know, he said just after talking to you and, and doing a few things, it was some, some deals with hydration and things like that, and he said it's scary how much, you know, the best people in the world, the numbers they're putting off, they could still only be possibly given 80% of what they could with just a little more time and a little awareness. Well, you know, and that's absolutely the truth is that so athletes are leaving so much on the table, and we kind of have two ideas you know, one of these ideas is that, you know, if you're going to be training this hard, you know, and, and people train like maniacs now, that you have to pay attention to the details. And, like, you know, we have this concept of no day off. There's no such thing as a day off. You know, your day off means that you're getting your tissues turned around, you're watching your hydration, you're managing your inflammation, 
you know, you're, you're recovering your joint position. Um, you know, that's, that's your recovery day, right? Because you can't, it's, it's, everyone is so good. I mean, how many guys are going to squat 1,300 in the next three years? You know, four guys? I mean, it's going to happen. And, uh, you know, if, if that's the difference, if we're seeing so many people putting up such big poundage and such unusual wattage, that when we see athletes develop a little speed wobble going 100 miles an hour in their Ferrari, it magnifies. So the details have really come to matter. It matters a little bit what you eat. It matters how much you're sleeping. It matters that you, you know, what you're putting in your body and how you recover. And no, that's no difference than talking about how well your tissues are sliding over one another. And it's your joint capsule keeping you from you know, getting into a good open squat position. So you know, that's, that's that, you know, the first idea. And... Uh, you know, the, the second idea is that we, if we get athletes involved and in understanding, it's quick change. You know, it takes a long time, of course, to grow grow length of hamstring. But you know, our model is if you can't see change, there's no change. And I think to Jesse's point, that when we get athletes dialed in quickly, you your body upregulates those things. You use that new position. You can express that poundage. We reinforce that that kind of mechanic and ethos. And so, you know, it's not like, you know, this is the, we kind of use the flossing analogy. I mean, everyone knows they should floss, right? I mean, you should floss because not flossing is like not wiping, but whatever. I mean, floss, don't floss. Your teeth aren't going to fall out today. But if I told you flossing would add 30 pounds to your deadlift or put you over a world record total or be the first between an Olympic gold medal and 10th, you'd be flossing right now on the radio. And that's the problem is that we've never couched this stuff in terms of this is how we unlock and actually let you express how, how strong you are. Let, let's take that short break, and we'll, we'll, you're already touching on the topic, and we'll go ahead and take a short break and then get that. Fortress, what is this in life? If you need a break from listening to these barbarians and you want to read something intellectual, Check out the library at www.ironradio.org. The feature article this month is about a conference that took place in Canada, an exercise physiology conference, where the researchers were literally trying to answer questions like the optimal number of sets and intensity for maximal protein synthesis and muscle growth. There's other juicy material there, like the effects of cortisol and adding more fat cells to your physique over time, how women recover better than men, and tons more. So if you're interested in reading as well as listening, check out www.ironradio.org and our article library. Thanks. Okay, we're back again, folks. Just taking that little break. And now we're going to move on to the topic of the day. Again, we got Kelly Starrett on the line. And, you know, we wanted to, I came to Kelly and asked him what he'd like to talk about because sometimes that fits, fits the best. And just what he was talking about in the first, first part there, it's kind of how every athlete he's seen is leaving pounds, watts, reps on the table. And it's kind of like, you know, nobody cares about free money. You've already started touching on this. Maybe we can get down, define what you're talking about, and then maybe we can get down some nuts and bolts of, of things that could help people. Absolutely. Well, you know, what we're really talking about is that you know, people are making unconscious compromises about their position, which affects their capacity to generate force. Poundage, wattage, you know, choose whatever it is. What we, what's not debatable is that there's an ideal position to put the joint in or the tissues to effectively express how strong your butt is or how stable you can make your shoulders so that your pecs and lats can do the work, right? And 
that's that's sort of not debatable. What's debatable or what's what's on on the kind of table is your capacity to get into those positions. So, you know, when, what, what happens all the time, um, whether I'm working with, you know, and what we sort of at our gym have started to specialize in is, you know, we have the best athletes on the planet coming in, and they're making horrific movement errors, fundamental movement errors. For example, uh, we see a lot of heavy pressers don't have enough thoracic extension in their upper back. And so what ends up happening is they tilt their, be- their rib cage, and they end up with a really broken segment. Instead of creating global extension from the lumbar to the neck, which really allows them to tap in and stabilize the scapula and push more effectively, they end up tilting through the whole rib cage, and that rib cage tilt basically shuts off their trap of efficacy, and they can't press as well. So, you know, that's that kind of that, that basic idea is, are we making movement faults? And then, how, you know, how do we understand what's going on underneath? And then more importantly, what, you know, it's really simple changes. And once you understand, I think, you know, some basic concepts about where the joint should go, et cetera, et cetera, you know, it, all you have to do is put the athlete into a good position, show them how to maintain that position. It's not gimmicking. It's not cueing. You don't need more ass blasting, you know, hip glute activation techniques. You need to get your, you know, femur in the back of your socket where it belongs. You need to unglue the ass laminate that you create when you sit down all day long. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just like it's, it's free money. And we, what we see is when we work with national team coaches, when we work with the world's best, what we're, we're confident in is that all we have to do is say, try these things. This is what we think is the best position. Here's how you do it. And then, by the way, let us know when you, when you set the world record or set the PR, and, and we can see it the next day. We see the athletes express that force the next workout or even that, that day. And it's, uh, you know, that's, that's really what we're talking about. Gotcha. Uh, do you want to get into some specifics? Maybe we can go from like move to move and say, you know, you can let let the listeners know maybe some things you typically see where people are going wrong in, in some of the big lifts. Can I just interrupt for a minute? Is is the sound okay for everybody? I'm doing good. Yeah, I don't know about Lonnie. It was waffling a little bit there for a while, but it's okay now. Is it okay? Okay. <clears throat> okay. I'm sort of. And we're back. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so let's let's take a couple couple examples. So I think uh, there's there's sort of kind of three big things that your athletes and our listeners can do right away. One is that they've got to manage the inflammation. They've the the heavy training causes inflamed tissues. Gut health, you know, I know Paul Ken, everyone's been talking about this forever and ever, but you know, your small intestine is your window to your you know basically to your strength soul, and if you're eating like a like a you know. 13-year-old, you know, orphan trapped in a McDonald's, you know, like that does not set you up to recover the tissue health and manage the inflammation. So what happens, you can't recover, you can't put new muscle down, you can't, your, your connective tissue is cheese, and subsequently you get into, you know, you get into the state where, you know, it's harder and harder to make the gains you should be making. So, you know, what we try to do is, you know, you've got to put the kibosh on, you know, manage your insulin effectively. You've got to make some food choice qualities. And, you know, here's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm not saying, you know, low-carb, high-carb, whatever you want to do to get your goals. But, you know, instead of that pizza, you know, you need to eat a dozen eggs and three avocados and tell me what's up. You know, that's that's what we're saying. So, you know, um, manage your inflammation. Get on some kind of fish oils, kind of treating that thing. That's step one. Step two the fundamental easy problem to deal with is this kind of global dehydration. When athletes are a little bit dehydrated, we see significant decreases in kind of tissue extensibility, how well those tissues slide over one another. 
we get, you know, literally like uh, skin adheres to tendons and tendon sheets. And it's like creating, instead of having layers of silk run over steel springs, you have like layers of wet cheese with nails running through them. And that, I mean, I know, right? That's you. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, you know, I'm a, I weigh 100 kilos, you know. Um, I, I, you know, um, my squat's in the fives. I sit down. And, you know, I, uh, it's a hundred pounds basically per cheek at a hundred degrees. Man, you, that's how you make oil. Like you put tissues under compression and make fossil fuels. Well, the same thing's happening to your body. So if you load up and those tissues aren't sliding and you've, you've really decreased the effectiveness and tissue extensibility, you see, uh, you know, kind of sliding surface dysfunctions, nerve bed gets trapped in there, uh, in the nerve. The nerve gets trapped in the nerve bed. Like, it's just a disaster. And you know what you need to do? You need to drink some more water. But more importantly, you don't need to drink some water. You need to drink some water with some electrolytes. And, uh, you know, we say baseline, we know for our power athletes and, uh, you know, and our aerobic athletes, if you're 1% or 2% dehydrated, that's a 5 or 10% decrease in your VO2 output. You know, you're thinking, I'm a strength athlete. That doesn't matter to me. Oh, yes, it does. Because now we're talking about your capacity to get, you know, on a big volume day, you know, be able to be able to perform more work, and you know, whoever performs the most work wins. So that aspect of just making sure you're a little bit hydrated, you know, and and making sure you're drinking half your weight in body ounces, in half your body weight in ounces, and plus dropping a little electrolyte in there, one of those noon tabs, one of those, uh, you know, there, there's a gazillion, you know, if you want to go into a running shop or some online, you can see some of these electrolyte tabs. I think Camelback makes them, but you know, I have one that makes it taste like I'm drinking Fresca all day. It's a little grapefruit and some essential salts, or you can do this radical thing and just put a pinch of sea salt in your water. You're, that water becomes a little more isotonic. You can absorb it, and suddenly you're not just pounding yourself with gallons and gallons of water, hitting that big bolus of your kidneys and peeing it off. You're actually absorbing it, so you can have well-hydrated, healthy tissues that slide and aren't just kind of junky cheese. So that's the second piece. The third piece is you know when we start looking at um, athletes not being able to get into a good position or athletes who are, you know, missing range of motion, it's, we've got to be more sophisticated than stretch, don't stretch. You know, the reason no one stretches is because stretching doesn't work. Stretching's BS. And because rarely is the muscle the component that's the missing piece. Sure, I need to have some neuromuscular stretching methods, but we're not talking about the length of your hamstring. You know, hamstring length is related from how well you stabilize your spine, the position of your femur in the socket, how stiff the tissues are. And so, you know, in like, there's like 17 things that affect your hamstring length. So mainly is that if I start thinking of my movements, specifically not for, or the, the, the mobilization I'm doing, specifically not for a stretch, but for a position, then suddenly I can concoct what I need to improve my hip flexion, right? Which is what basically hip flexion, external rotation, and that's squatting. And so, you know, if we can, be clever in the way we think, is this a, you know, do I need to get a ball in here and just get those tissues to start sliding again? Do I need to, you know, think about putting one of a, a drum stretch band on up near the joint while I am get into the position so that I can distract and affect what's going on at the joint level happening? Um, maybe I do have some, you know, tightness problems but uh, with the muscle. But once I start thinking in those systems, then the stretching I do, quote unquote stretching, isn't become isn't about hey my hamstrings are short. I think that affects something. It's about I cannot get into a good pulling position. 
know, and uh, it's it's very simple. Even just working with Mark and Donnie recently about trying to get their shoulder, for example, the shoulder and the and the hip a little bit more posterior in the socket. And, you know, just through a couple easy techniques, it literally, and we, and we have an example of that working with Mark up on uh, mobilitywide.com a couple days ago. I think it's like a candy discussion about pressing. And uh, people can give an example of what we're talking about. And specifically, I know it's it maybe hard to conceptualize, but what we need to do is get our athletes thinking, what are the positions I need to get in? What's stopping me from getting in that perfect position? And as soon as you can do that, you know, it's really, really simple. And it doesn't have to be, I need to do some theoretical stretch my whole body the whole day. I mean, punch me in the face. I hate stretching. What I don't mind doing is making sure that I can, you know, correctly express my strength for the movements that I'm doing that day. So, I mean, I've, I've taken this. It's it's much like training. I mean, one thing I preach to people is do it for a reason. Instead of That's right. you know, packing in 16 exercises because you think you should, you know, That's generally right. athletes, like if I'm bench pressing, I will only add in, this assistance move for a reason, for a weakness. So, you, so you're having them hit movements and hit stretches only if there's a reason to, not just just because they should stretch. Well, that's right. You know, we don't train the whole body every day. No. You don't need to recover the whole body every day. You do that global systemic recovery. That's why nutrition, sleep, sleeping in a dark room, all that stuff. Sorry about that, guys. No worries. Uh, so, you know, the bottom line is that if if we get athletes into a good position, you know, or, or, or we can get athletes to think critically about it. You know, people are training two, three times a day. You know, we just treat this. They're doing the good movement prep. If we just treat this like another little mini workout or systematically work on getting myself ready, it ends up not being some overwhelming thing. I mean, the last thing I want to do is roll out my quads every night on the foam roll. The last thing I want to do is really like blow open my hips every single day. Comma, if I know I've got heavy front squatting or heavy anterior load, and you know some of the movements I'm doing, you know it gets me thinking about what is it I need to get ready for the movements that I'm doing for the day. And then you know our model is hey let's let's just roll through the body a little bit, and then you know you'll remember the things that felt like a shaman's blow, and at the same time you'll be able to kind of. Uh, you know, start to systematically know the things that are going to work for you. And, God, you, all of a sudden, you get yourself out of your way. You're going faster. I mean, we're potential merchants. Athletes come to us. We put them into a better position. They generate more force. You know, and, that, and that's the only thing we care about. We're performance horse. There's nothing wrong. That's a good term. Yeah. Hello? Hello? Hey. Hey. I'm still here. Okay. I was just going to say, have you, uh, like, copyrighted that term yet? Performance tour? Yeah. Well, we're not sure if there's like three O's or four O's in that, that word, whore. Yeah. You know, look, it's the, the, thing, the thing that keeps me training heavy and training hard, you know, is that uh, I keep making progress. You know, Dan John is like, you need to be making progress every year, whatever your sport is. Are you leaner? Are you thicker? You know, are you putting up more weights? If you're not making progress, what's going on? And then – all we're doing is taking joint position, body position, the organized athlete, tissue health, and putting that and relating it to, you know, the thing that we care about most, which is progress. Nice. So nuts and bolts, just to get down this, and so you were talking nutrition first, you know, just good quality food. <clears throat> you know, raise your hand if you, uh, you know, you live on a farm, we're going to raise grass-fed meat. You there know? you go. You get a big move from me over here. So <laughs> That's right. 
And then, then hydration, and I, I think we've heard this time and time again, and, you know, the, the uh, importance of electrolytes. Um, and I think, I think yeah. I don't know, in, me personally, I've seen in, in the fitness industry that a lot of times athletes are more, more so, I'd say, health-conscious people. I've seen come to me and they have a lack of actually sodium um, because that's, right. that's one of the first things that go. Um, people think that's sodium, right. they think bad. That's exactly right. You know, and there's even a move in, amongst uh, some kind of elite power athlete communities, elite power generating communities, to this move to kind of be gluten free and more paleo. You know, what we're, it's a move back to hey, let's eat more food. You know, let's pull out the crap in there. Let's put our money into the grass fed meat because it's delicious and it works better, right? But what's happened is you're absolutely right. Athletes are not getting sodium or enough salts. And you've basically recreated a need for the salt trade. Great job. It's a step backwards. And, uh, you know, and all it does is just we're talking about, you know, there's rarely a day where you make radical gains. I mean, I, I love putting an athlete into a position and watch a 30-pound PR just because we change, you know, the, the hip relationship or we, get them, we show them how to get stiffer for their back squat, right? But, you know, all of the consistent small gains aggregate over time. There's just no substitute for lifting heavy weights for 10 years. And, you know, if we can avoid the problems that kind of aggregate, accumulate over time, then, you know, wh what you do is you just get yourself out of your way, you know. And I'll tell you, there's, it doesn't matter who you are, you know, I get into Mark Bell's hip and, you know, he's, he, we see big, gross problems. And he's so strong in spite of those problems and yet, when we, we see athletes kind of, you know, making compromises or going around the tissue or can't get into a good position, all you have to do is, you know, take that off. Imagine, for example, because this is, this is a common, imagine you and I are eating lunch and you can only bend your elbow, you know, like halfway, 90 degrees, right? You would, and, and as, we're, as you do that, you can't touch your hand to your face and actually eat your, eat your dinner. And what happens is I'm like, dude, why is your neck hurting? You're like, I don't know. My neck's hurting all the time. It's so weird. Every time I eat... You know, and I'm like, well, do you think it has something to do with being missing 50% of the range in your elbow? And you're like, no, no, that's not it. I can still squat 1,000 pounds. And we see that all the time. I, I literally, it's hard to find an athlete who doesn't have a huge deficit in range of motion. And that may be capsular. It may not just be a, an issue of, I need to stretch my butt. It's an issue of, hey, the joint capsule is stiff. That and shuts me down. I get a lot of positional inhibition. You know, th there's this notion that like you know your, your glutes are weak or you know something's not turning on. Well, you, when you're in a disorganized position, your body just shuts you down. And so you know what looks like maybe low ab weakness is the fact that you just are overextended all the time and you're squatting. And all we need to do is get you into a better position, figure out what stops that, and uh, you know quit, quit quit having athletes run around playing gasso breakout, which is just you know the, the real problem. Um, and then we move on to the last page that we just hit on. I'm just trying to trying to give everybody a, a synopsis here. So eat good, drink a lot, and, and, and stretch what needs to be worked on. Uh, That's right. Be, yeah, there you go. And and we what we've, what we've figured out is, and you guys can relate to this, is that you know you guys didn't just come up with the modeling. You know, you just didn't come up with your programs instantaneously. Oh. <clears throat> you modeled your programming off of really good coaches. And you saw what worked, and you did what worked, and you tweaked what worked. And uh, what, what I realized is that, you know, there wasn't this kind of cogent, 
you know, model. I think on T Nation recently a while ago, or Doyle did something about, um, you know, uh, or my boy did something about like the basic eight, you know, which just is just, you know, such a superficial scratch. You know, cresting these guys have been hammering this for a while. But what we did with Mobility Wad was try to give our athletes and, and coaches a place to start so they could figure out the most effective things for them. And, you know, it's not the same thing over and over. We, we talk about lots of different positions. And, in fact, in order to make stretching cool again for the first time. So, uh, you know, the, the bottom line is we, we call it conjugate mobilization. And that, you know, if you can wrap your head around – getting your tissues and getting your joints and getting your limbs into a good position, but attacking it from a different angle, different, different stimulus. You know, we, you know, 10 minutes is what I think it takes a night to kind of get basic therapeutic dose on the right athlete. You know, you've got to have a jump stretch band. You need a couple of cross balls. That's it. It's, it's low tech. Most athletes have some bands in their gym already, but if, if you can keep changing the stimulus a little bit, keep changing the angle, keep changing the way we hit it, then we can just free up these tissues. And, you know, it keeps it novel. Ten minutes a day is about how long it takes me to drink a, a good glass of wine. When that wine glass of wine is done, I'm done. I can't take it anymore. And, uh, you know, the, the main thing is if you're a good athlete, you keep a training log, period, right? And if you start doing ten minutes a day of this thing, 10 to 12 minutes, whatever it takes, you get, get in when you can get in, you're going to start to see those changes in your performance and you can correlate them. And this is what it's about. It's observable, measurable, repeatable. If you don't experience change, there's no change. And pretty soon that's an hour a week that you put into, you know, making yourself, getting yourself into a better position. I mean, benching and squatting is so technical. Getting a conversation with Donnie Thompson about the reasons why he presses out of the rack very slowly. You know, he, his press out, you're like, he's never going to lift that thing up. And then, you know, he fires up out of the hole. But he's so cautious and, and conscientious about keeping the organization of his spine so he doesn't give away that power. This level of technique and nuance just hasn't been applied to thinking about why can't I get into a good position? You know, what, why is it my hip doesn't work? You know, and so we're like, hey, you know, I, I have to round, you have to set up from a rounded position or I have to pull sumo. Well, you only have to pull sumo because you're missing all the range of motion in your hip. And if we you know we give you, if we just give you your flexion back, then, you know, it's not about your, your, you know, your stomach. It's about the fact that you can't flex your hip. And so we change that and suddenly you have more movement options. And the more movement options our coaches have and our athletes have, the, you know, the better they can express their athleticism, the better they can express their, their dominance. And then, you know, that's the one piece. The other piece is you can deal with your chronic back pain. You know, you can take away that knee pain. You know, your bad biomechanics are the only way that your body can tell you that you're, you're in a bad position. And, like, that's what pain is. I mean, that's your bad body mechanics. Unless, you know, you, you miss a snatch or, you know, something horrific happened. A pretty girl walked past right as you pulled 1,300 from the ground, you know, and did something crazy and you know, rounded your back. Now, those are catastrophic accidents, but every other sports medicine injury is a preventable disease. That's neither an overtension injury because you're just too tight or you're just in a bad position trying to find stability, trying to find tension so that your big hamstrings can do their job. And if you take 99% of the sports injury problems and you can just show athletes how to move better and then show them seriously how to treat themselves – we can we can reduce that that time away from the gym. You have one back tweak. You're not in the gym for ten days. You go see your chiropractor, see your physio. I'm ten days ahead of you now, right? 
your chronic low back pain, you've got to relate it to the fact that your hips are so tight and short in the front. And, and if we just can show, educate our athletes on the other side of this, to see how they move and why it's causing their knee pain, good God, it's so easy. You know, my wife is an attorney, and she would have all these athletes at, the, at her law firm come up to her and be like, hey, Juliet, I have back pain. And she would say, well, you know, it's, it's complicated, but before you see Kelly, why don't you just go stretch your hamstrings? And she would give them a link somewhere. And they would come back to her and be like, that was really amazing. My back pain's gone. And she would come home pissed, and she'd be like, is it that easy? Like, your job, like, you're lying to people because this is so easy. And uh, I just, you know, she was, she was pissed. She's like, you're a charlatan, Kelly. And I was like, I know. People pay me $150, $200 to say, hey, by the way, your quads are tight. You know, that's why your knees hurt when you squat. And, uh, you know, it's just so silly and it's so easy. And, you know, if you're feeling good, you know, you and I were talking the other day. It takes 10, 20, 30 years to become strong enough or competent enough athlete to win. Like, it, you know, athletes are in their 30s now and their 40s. When I work with the soldiers, the same thing. The best soldiers are soldiers in their 30s and 40s. My goal is to keep athletes in their prime out there. And if you just don't have pain, you know, you didn't destroy your hip, it's easy. You know, if your hip, you miss hip range of motion, your hip is going to blossom into a mushroom, and then it's going to blossom into a pickaxe, and then you're going to, you know, destroy your, your hips. And, uh, you know, Floyd Landis, you know, look, you know, cyclist extraordinary, look at some of the best pullers. You know, having hip replacements. I mean, this is this is an avoidable disease. And uh, you know, one of my friends is a is a surgery tech, and here in the Bay Area. And his one of his games that he plays with me is he when they pull out a, a hip that looks like a mushroom or destroyed or has bony spots that looks like a you know an evil thing. He sends me a picture of it, and I have a collection of this picture of people's hips. And uh, you know what you need to do? You need to squat more. You need to just look at the issues and. You know, if I could, you know, just show our athletes, everyone that, you know, it's so easy. You know, you're leaving pounds on the table. You're just, you're just 10 minutes away from your next PR. You know, it's not a gimmick. It's just, uh, it's simple, you know? No, that's good stuff. Um, so everybody, you know, they can find a lot of this information at yourmobilitywad.com, right? That's right. And, uh, you know, we start on day one with this thing, like, it's a 10-minute squat test. Can you just squat down for 10 minutes like you're having dinner with a family in Thailand? You know, and, uh, you know, like you're taking a poo in a third world country. I mean, that's really what we're saying, you know, and uh, it's a place to start. We keep it rolling early on. Uh, it doesn't, you know, just a few basic concepts. It layers on. You could certainly jump in. You could Google, you know, Mark Bell or, or search for Tani and, and see some of the things we're working on. But um, what we try to do is just have this conversation that evolves as we go. But uh, you can see the techniques and stuff. Right there, and then if you're in San Francisco, come in and train with us. You know, you're up, you're up with them. You know, you're in Sacramento. Go train with, go jump in with Mark, and you know these guys are these guys are getting it and becoming experts on this stuff. Good deal. Is there anything else you got coming up you want to mention? Any uh, you know, not no. You know, we we have a link on our seminars. You know, and uh, you know, I am a CrossFit gym, and uh, but I'll tell you, we we value lifting heavy heavy weights here. Above all else, and uh, you know, we, we specialize here in, in uh, making strong athletes stronger. And you guys, you get it. And uh, you know, the detail and nuance of what people are doing. This is just like not having any gas in your car and wondering why a car doesn't go very fast. That's how simple the stuff is. Yeah. Well, I think that's an interesting point you hit on. I mean, how how all these people are grasping it. It's, it's a topic we talked about the other day that we probably shouldn't go into in depth. But I mean, it's 
it's finally you're starting to see all these sets of athletes and, and people interested in different different aspects of performance enhancement starting to come together. Um, and we're all starting to learn from each other, and I think that's a big thing. People learning from you and, and you going to Mark and, and Donnie and Jesse and, you know, all that. Well, you, you nailed it. In a program like this, I mean, you're – you have a guy talking about, you know, stretching and joint tissue who works with power athletes and Tour de France riders the week after, you know, the strongest bench presser in the history of the planet. You know, I mean, you guys are super connectors. And what ends up happening is when we start looking around at other communities, like there's a new experiment out right now, um, this thing called RestWise, RestWise.com. And basically it's some metrics. These are just some guys who kind of I knew peripherally. They just were like, hey, check this out. It's a metric to show you what your resting recovery looks like in the morning. And, you know, I think what's happening is that there's a lot of money at stake, a lot of poundage at stake, and a lot of wattage at stake. And if we start really getting athletes to pay attention to these details, you know, they can go faster. So restwise.com, you know, literally you take your resting heart rate, you weigh yourself, you look at the color of your pee, how sore are you, you know, a few other things, and it can give you a score to tell you, are you training too hard, are you recovered, or are you not training hard enough? You think you're you're giving it, but you're not. And, you know, when we start kind of combining these things that we've traditionally done reactively into what it means to be a strength and conditioning athlete, a well, good, you know, professional, you know, amateur athlete, then, you know, who knows? I don't think we've even scratched the surface of what's what's possible for human potential. Well, you know, if I can interject here, uh, there is a fantastic book people might be interested in, too, by two researchers, uh, Kelman and Kenta. K-E-N-T-T-A-A, I believe. It's called Enhancing Recovery. And they actually have something in there called the TQR model, which is the Total Quality Recovery Model. It's fantastic. You actually have to pay back points through snacks, meals, naps, you know, things like hot, cold, contrast showers, whatever it is. A payback recovery points for each point of effort you spend in the gym. It's sort of based on that Borg model of, you know, uh, perceived exertion. But so yeah, it's I love that idea about ways to quantify recovery because what do athletes right. do? We quantify weights to the nth degree and progression models and things like that. But when it comes to recovery, people are like, oh yeah, they roll their shoulders a little. I think I'm recovering. <laughs> you know, wow, what's that mean? So you know, it's hard to control what you don't measure. So I think that kind of stuff's really valuable. Uh, doctor, I, I uh, that's that's music to my ears. You know, I, I completely agree. It's got to be observable, measurable, repeatable, and whatever model you're using. There's so many mo- good models at work, but you know, if you're if you're squatting heavy every day, you, know, you should have a trough of cold water on your tub and the back. You should have a horse trough, and when you get home, you get in that ice bath every single day. That's what you do, you know, because that's what it takes to be the best. And you know, quantifying, looking at these little metrics. You know, giving our athletes the tools that they need, then all we do is let the athlete train and compete. You know, if we can remove every other variable so that, you know, the training is its most effective, then all the athlete has to do is go and, and compete and win and put up force, and, you know, that's fun. And if I'm just, you know, a recreational power lifter, I'm a recreational Olympic lifter, you know, I still benefit all of the ways that all the best in the world benefit. Well, we're just about out of time, but I wanted to make one quick comment, and I know Phil's got some things to say, but something that Kelly was saying sort of sparked my sort of the uh, the theoretical physiologist in me in a way, but it's not just theoretical. In the past, we used to look at stuff like uh, sodium, you know, basically reserved for people like 
long duration aerobic athletes in the heat, you know, frank hyponatremia kinds of things. And instead, there, I, I know a lot of actual um, orthopedic physicians now who are really leaning in a more positive direction towards sodium. And I don't want listeners to think, you know, if you're eating a fairly average processed diet that you need sodium, you're probably getting five to ten times what you need. But for p- athletes who are eating very cleanly, yeah, they can remove that. And if you think about what we're talking about here, just a you know that one or two percent, that's just a two to four pound uh, loss of, of fluid in your body. But if you think about a lot of the ergogenic um, sort of nutrition interventions, it, whether it's you know creatine monohydrate or carbohydrate loading or glycerol, these are all hyper hydrating kinds of things. Anabolic steroids, again with the electrolyte and the water retention, you know all of these kinds of things, somewhat hyperhydrate. Uh, an individual and enhance whether it's aerobic performance, like Kelly said, or or neuromuscular performance. So this whole h- slight hyperhydration thing is really a cool idea. And I mean, if you look through history, you hear powerlifters say stuff like, "I have more leverage," you know, on a tissue level and things like that. Well, you know, sort of yeah. whatever whatever that means. But the point being is, yeah, how cool is that? That just a, a two pound loss may actually, you know, it, it might not be a dramatic health issue for you like you know you're going to need medical attention or something but it could rob you of those couple of percent that's you know all important amen you know jesse just uh, cut down for his last meet you know and, and he's like i was a different athlete all my leverages were off i was in a different position my proprioceptors didn't know where to go and i was like absolutely you took you know an inch out of some of those places, and literally, you're absolutely right. Mechanical advantages down, every other thing, and it's just it's one of those simple mistakes. It's a type one thinking foundational error, you know. And and I think as we as we see what's the the future, it's that simple. Cool, Kelly. That's we're gonna wrap it up. I just want to thank you for coming on. We got a couple of announcements, um, but it's been a great show. Thanks very much, you guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, man. Um, one thing I wanted to mention to everybody is is again the. Um, the Strength Guild Master Craftsman Conference. We just kind of pushed it out again finally. Um, and, you know, it's going to be just huge. It's about the best thing out there at the best price ever. It's going to bring together Dr. Lowry, Rob Fortney, myself, the, the cast here at Iron Radio for the first time ever since we started Iron Radio. And then also we got on um, like 12 other people. We got Jim Winler, Mark Bell, Jesse Burdick, Ian King, Kiefer, Jude Howe, Sarah Stevens, Troy Perdy, so Tammy Lacey, Jay Bell, Sean Casey and Ryan Horn, um, all under one roof for one day. Uh, just that you can ask us all whatever the hell you want to. And we're going to run you from like 8 in the morning till 7 o'clock at night and, ju- and just let you have it. The two so, cool things about that, Phil, one, I think listeners need to understand there are not many opportunities. And, of course, I'm biased, but there are not many opportunities where you get athletes of that caliber and people who are well-educated answering questions that exactly you want to know, right? I mean, this is... This is very tailored. It can be very specific because of the Q&A nature of it. And usually the kind of advice you get are from experienced competitors or from eggheads. But these are people who are, you know, you're going to have access to both. So it's something to consider that, you know, you're not going to get that at, like, let's say, any single university. You're not going to get that usually at any single gym, you know, this is bringing together people from literally all over the world, even Australia and stuff like that, you know, to answer specific questions. So it's really that sort of sweet combination of experience and education there. Exactly. And just and just letting you have it. And I mean, just to I, I keep stressing the price to everybody I talk to about this. I mean, 
We're selling it at 250 and then you get $50 off of your Strength Guild member. But there are at least seven contributors to this thing that if you were to go listen to them by themselves, it, it would be at least that much. And, and you're getting 15 of us. Yeah, good point. For that price, you know, and, and it's all day long, and then we'll all go to a buffet afterwards, and, and who knows what happens from there when you're in Vegas. So it's also <laughs> in Vegas, and that's we, we chose that because it's usually the cheapest place for everybody to fly. And I know for a fact there's there's going to be some, some visiting people as well. Who knows? Maybe Kelly will come down and, and hang out with us too for the day and uh, stuff like that. So I guess, yeah, go to strengthguild.com. Punch the button that says products and uh, and services, and, and you can find it there and go to the store and buy it today. And I, I expect it's going to sell out pretty quick. So we're, we're taking a total of 65 people at max. So. Okay. All right, That's folks. Until next week. Right on. Thanks. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. This is Rob Fortress Fortney, and I'm here to let listeners know about the upcoming Strength Workshop, co-hosted by Iron Radio in Las Vegas, Nevada, this coming June. Stay tuned for details. Simply listen to www.ironradio.org, also on iTunes, and check out the site as well. Hope to see you in Vegas, where some of the industry's smartest and strongest guys will be waiting to talk shop with you. For the best sports nutrition information on the planet, make plans to attend the 8th Annual ISSN Conference and Expo, June 23rd to 25th, 2011, at the Westin Las Vegas Hotel, Casino, and Spa. We'll have the latest on creatine, beta-alanine, protein, nutrient timing, and much, much more. So, for more information, go to www.vissn.org. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.